Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Alien Familiar RPG Podcast. I am Clayton, and once again, we have another solo episode. So uh, before we get started, you can find show notes and more at alienfamiliar.com. You can email us at alienfamiliarmedia at gmail.com. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash alienfamiliar. And if you would like to help us out with uh, supporting this show, you can do so at patreon.com slash alienfamiliarmedia. So if you enjoy our content and want to help us out with hosting costs, any help would be greatly appreciated. So... The last time I did a solo episode, I talked about getting a campaign started, and I think that this time I'm going to continue that little bit of a theme and um, make this the second part of a possibly three-part series that I do whenever for the next time whenever um, it's just me. So this time, being the second of the, the three parts, I will be talking about the middle part of a campaign, and if uh, if it comes up that I'm doing a solo episode in the future, I will probably be doing it on the end of a campaign and how to do that. So today, talking about the middle of the campaign, what happens in the middle? Um, I generally consider the middle of the campaign to be about the time when the player characters are starting to have a real understanding of what is going on in the world. They are starting to take initiative in, um, in what's going on in the world. They start, um, they start doing things proactively, um, in response to the things that they have learned so far in the world. Hopefully they are taking the knowledge that they have picked up about the world that has been sown in the, in the, beginning of the game and starting to use that knowledge to affect the world in some way. Um, typically in like Dungeons and Dragons, I would consider the middle of the campaign to generally start around level five. Um, this is whenever the player characters are powerful enough that they can generally um, start doing things that low level characters can't. Things like take more than one hit before being seriously wounded and being or potentially being taken completely out of a fight. Um, By level five, a single critical hit, while still a critical problem, isn't going to be something that completely takes a character out. A character can survive a critical hit probably long enough for uh, some other character to come over and heal them. Um, by this point, the player characters aren't just a bunch of noobs in the world. Uh, they, at this point, they're starting to have access to more power, either in the, uh, the different class features that they have, or like, for instance, like wizards gaining access to the fireball spell, one, and the lightning bolt spell, two of, two of the, more iconic spells that a spellcaster has in D&D. They start having access to it. And so with this greater power comes greater responsibility and the ability to make bigger decisions and to use that power that they now have in order to do more to push their own will upon the world. Uh, the player characters are hopefully have a couple of missions under their belts, uh, a few quests. Um, the player characters are starting to get respected for the fact that they are people who can get stuff done. Um, 
They might get recognition for past deeds. And because of this, greater things are expected of them. They might be asked to do the bigger and more dangerous things now that they have proved themselves by, in D&D parlance, going out and taking out a tribe of goblins or orcs or something like that, handling a minor, a relatively minor, maybe local threat, and now they can start tackling a much bigger issue. Um, from a metagame perspective, I consider the middle of the campaign to be about the time when the game master is no longer having to constantly remind the players of how things work in the game world. And I'm not just talking about how things work as far as their mechanics. I'm also talking about how the different power structures, how the different power structures of the world might be. Um, a, by this point, the player characters should know, for instance, if you're playing a fantasy game set in a quasi medieval setting, they know how there is a lord who is, um, in control over a particular region and they might even have had personal contact with that lord and that lord might have had enough personal contact with them that that lord remembers who they are especially if there are players who are who have been brand new to the game at the very start of the game um, by this point they are starting to understand most of the things on their character sheet Yes, they will still be picking up new abilities and having to learn how those work as the game progresses and as they gain power and gain increased levels, but they are no longer needed. It, it's no longer needed that the player, the, the game master needs to remind them constantly of what the most commonly used abilities are. Players at this point in D and D understand Whenever you ask for a skill check, they understand exactly what that means. They know that they need to grab a d20 and they need to, well, if you're calling for a specific skill check, they need, they know to look on their character sheet for that skill. Or if the care, the game master is just calling for a particular check, like for instance, the game master asks, um, well, I need you guys to roll to see what you know about this particular thing the players might start asking okay is they might start asking for clarification such as well is this considered a religion check or would this be considered an arcana check so they they have a a more fine-tuned grasp of the rules and they're they're starting to pick up on the differentiation between different parts of their character sheet that a brand new player wouldn't be able to pick out the nuance between them and along with that, the character is beginning to um, to maybe understand some of the more esoteric rules in the game that they use often. Um, like, for instance, if a character is... Well, I would consider most spells to be esoteric versions of the rules of the game. Um, so a player character who is, a, is playing a wizard, they will know how all of their spells work work that they've had since first level and probably that they've had since third level whenever they gained additional uh, spells. So they have that, that understanding and there's, while there is still some mystery in some of the more out there rules, like how a grapple might work, 
Um, it's not something that every single game you're going to have to look up the same things every single time. Another metric by which I might measure when the middle of the game starts would be if in the case of doing a big overarching campaign that is a big epic story, uh, the, the player characters are starting, starting to learn about the things that are the threat in the world. They, they start learning about the, the big powerful organization who is opposing the player characters. If there's a, a big bad evil guy who is the main antagonist of the game, maybe they haven't encountered them yet in person, but they have absolutely should have heard of the, of that person by this point. And even if they haven't had a direct encounter with the big bad evil guy, if it, they should have had some sort of encounter with a representative of theirs, or if it's an organization, they should have tangled with some maybe offshoot or maybe some uh, low level branch of this big powerful organization. The player character should have come, should come into some sort of direct conflict with the main antagonist or antagonists of the game around the the middle of the game. So it at this point the campaign should start to draw into focus about what exactly the campaign is going to be about. And just as important as the enemies, knowing who the enemies are, around the middle of the game the player characters start realizing that they have allies. They have player NPCs who they have met a couple of times who have maybe been quest givers or maybe they're, they've just been kind of background characters. Very often player characters will have found somebody who the, the game master intended to just be somebody who wasn't going to have any relevance in the game whatsoever. And the characters, the player characters have grabbed onto that particular character and fallen completely in love with them for some, for whatever reason possesses player characters to fall in love with one-off characters that the game master just creates off the top of their head. So the player characters have acquired a few, um, a few allies at this point, and, and those allies are able to help them in a very real and tangible way. They aren't just the quest givers. Maybe they are somebody who if the player characters call upon them, well, maybe maybe in the past they were a quest giver, but now the player characters are more on equal footing with them, and that ally has a resource that the player characters might need to tap into. For instance, if the player characters have known a wizard who has sent them on a couple of quests, maybe now they're powerful enough that they can start requesting things of that wizard, such as requesting some help with learning new spells or requesting some new magical items be made or something like that. And the, the ally in this case should be, should have a vested interest in helping out the player characters because the player characters have helped them in some way or the, the ally who sees that the player characters are going to be important in this struggle against the, um, the main antagonist of the campaign the the ally is wanting to help the player characters get to the point where they can they can stand against their antagonists. So in D&D, 
the player characters might have impressed a local lord who is then willing to take them into confidence with matters that only the quote important people are aware of um, in vampire uh, the player characters might be drawn or might um, have drawn the attention of their clan's primogen or the city's prince either for good or for ill um, either one of those characters might be a an awesome ally or an antagonist or both for the player characters going forward into the game. The player characters start to kind of, uh, you might start hearing the player characters say, Oh, we know a guy who can insert thing that an NPC can do here. Um, that will help that they recognize that the, the NPC that has previously been, been introduced into the campaign is useful in helping the player characters solve certain problems. Um, and if the play, player characters, if they have either good memories or take good notes, they will start to pick out that these, these NPCs that they've encountered within, within the past, they are the resource. It's not going to be the game master reminding them that, hey, you know this person from before. Very often it will be the player characters pointing out, hey, we know a guy who can do that, or we know a guy who might know who we need, would need to talk to. The player characters might realize, okay, um, we have a really good rapport with the, um, with the local innkeeper. Um, that innkeeper sees a lot of people come through. Maybe somebody from the past sticks out in their minds who might be able to help with a particular problem maybe the the player characters might ask the barkeep have you have you seen any powerful wizards come through here and who are they so it becomes a source of both information and also a sort of social currency that the player characters now have in their possession and starting in the what I'm considering the middle of the campaign and going forward from that the player characters are only going to become more entrenched in the world and bringing out the parts of the world for their own use and to enhance the story because every story is built around all of the interconnections of the the people and the characters who inhabit that story so player characters are starting to draw upon that themselves by about the middle of the campaign or the middle yeah and at the middle at the in the middle of the campaign, there isn't just this escalation of the player characters manipulating the world, doing thin things in the world. There's also escalation in the the things that are being thrown at the player characters, and that the player characters themselves have to have to either stand against or decide to stand for. Things start to get more intense. Problems start to become more complex. Um, the char- the player characters are b- becoming more forward thinking in their in their thought processes um they are they understand the world going on around them well enough that they're able to see potential problems coming down the road before the the game master really starts hitting it over the over their heads that it is there the player characters might recognize oh the the game master has been hinting at this war that's been going on with this uh, be- between the the country that they are currently in and this other country, so the player characters are going to start to want to have a an act. There's 
they're going to want to have an active role in it. They're going to want to actually use this newfound power to influence these bigger and um, more, quote, important things that are going on in the world. They're wanting to look beyond the little, um, the little locality in which they start out. And even in an episodic style game, characters are starting to think more long term. Maybe the rogue is starting to get an itch to be more than just a petty thief and is starting to look into becoming a member of the Thieves Guild, becoming a, a member in good standing with the Thieves Guild, and potentially moving up the ranks because they're starting to see, wow, even though I'm only level 5 now, around the time I get to maybe level 12 or 15, I want to be ready to be running this whole show. Um, also characters might start deciding that they need specific pieces of gear. They might like, um, and after they've decided that they need this piece of gear, they might, might start doing things to work toward obtaining it, such as in a cyberpunk game, a Decker might be wanting to upgrade his hardware or in a fantasy game, the wizard might be wanting to get their hands on a particular spell. And so the player characters again, start driving the story forward in and giving the, the game master opportunities to th to give them the stories that they are asking for. The Decker might need to get a significant sum of money in order to, uh, to upgrade their hardware. And so the Decker might start looking for very lucrative missions that could be done that fits very well with their expertise in order to gain that money as quickly as possible. A wizard might know that there is a spell out there that they want, and so they might start doing research into how exactly to obtain that spell. If there is a particular quest or if there is an NPC in the world who all, who already has access to that spell, that character will then start to seek out how to obtain the thing that they want instead of just relying solely on the game master to give out magical items as loot. So they, the player characters might think, so as the characters are thinking more elaborately about what they have at their disposal and increasing their own abilities through possibly gear or possibly through gaining additional influence over particular individuals who they can see might be important down the road, such as such as getting on the good side of a courtier who maybe has the ear of the king or queen. Player characters can start to get pretty Machia pretty Machiavellian in some of their um in their goals. They start weaving these plans that are going to take more than just a single session in order to to accomplish the solutions to the problems that they are seeing are escalating along with the problems the solutions are becoming more elaborate uh, this grows out of the player characters the not only the player characters but all those also the players themselves their understanding of the way the world works and taking a more active role in it um there are prob there's probably going to be fewer direct quests that are told to the player characters where they are told exactly what they need to do, such as go to this location, get this item, bring it back to me. These types of fetch quests still happen, 
but they're more complex. Player characters might be told by a quest giver, we need a thing, and that's pretty much it. The player characters are then responsible themselves for finding out what is this thing exactly? Where is it? How do we get it? And that's even before they start going out and doing the fetch quest itself. So you're, you, the game master, are giving the player characters more autonomy, more power in the world. And you are allowing them to create some of their own options of how things, of how they're going to tackle problems. And this whole thing tends to make the role of the game master much more reliant on on the fly thinking. Um, I feel like this is the part of the game where new game masters really start to learn the craft of game mastering and where experienced game masters, this is re- really where they change from just being experienced into being great game masters. They start to be able to manipulate the way the flow of the game and the flow of information and the the flow of ideas coming out of the player characters using those ideas and molding that into the story itself this is really the time in the game where the game master's abilities start to get tested because previously the game master could fairly reliably predict with a reasonable degree of certainty how the player characters might solve a problem. They don't have all the, that many resources at their disposal, so they're going to use what limited resources they have. Now, around the middle of the campaign, the player characters are starting to get enough tools that they can really do some outside-the-box thinking. Um, this is where in D&D utility, st- utility spells have the potential to break in a very fast and real way any adventure that the game master comes up with. And it's usually the creative players who use these abilities in these, um, these ways that game master never thought of combining different spells or different abilities or different magical items um but i'm going to tell you a little secret in this game every player is creative that's why we play this game so you're just going to run on into that because we've said it on the podcast before five minds thinking about a problem is all are always going to be able to outsmart the one mind who came up with the problem in games that are more grounded in reality the player characters have more allies um, and those allies are all the people that they have encountered up until this point so unless you're playing a murder hobo campaign where the player characters are going through and just murdering everyone that they encounter the player characters have met some interesting people along the way And those interesting people often have some resources that they have to call upon. And even if the player characters are just absolutely murdering everything along the way, they've probably picked up a good bit of money along the way. And money is very real power in the world. And in 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 the world of whatever game you're playing, that should be reflected as well. So there's all sorts of different types of power that the players are player characters are amassing and that they can then utilize in very very unpredictable ways and 
at this point, this expansion of the game where the players are get player the player characters are starting to get more and more things, and they're start to starting to be able to put these things together in new and interesting ways. This is something that is only going to happen more as the campaign progresses and you get toward the end of the campaign. So it's really best for the game master to really start learning how to roll with all of these ways that the players will outsmart the game master's plans. Because I will tell you from experience, it happens more and more the longer the campaign goes. To the point where whenever I'm I'm getting to the end of the campaign... I literally cannot predict what the player characters are going to do unless I sit down and force them into a dungeon where I can set all of the parameters. I can't, I can't figure out what the player characters are going to do ahead of time. I always ask them at the end of a session, Hey, what are your plans? Because I have no clue what they're going to think about and what they're going to come up with. So keeping a, Good line of communication with the player characters is absolutely key in order to keep track of all of the things that's going on. I've also seen game masters who rely very, very heavily on improvisation to just crash and burn the campaigns at this point because they are just making up things on the fly. They aren't, they haven't put any real plans into the things that they are saying that, that, that are happening. And so the player characters are absolutely going to remember these things that end up coming up as inconsistencies. They kind of start coming up as things that don't make sense of in the world. And if the game master hasn't written anything down, hasn't planned out some of these things that are going on, the campaign becomes untenable as far as being able to tell a coherent story. Because I've been in the situation in the past where I've started, like, as the campaign starts progressing into the middle and then into the end of the game, I start realizing that I have all of these threads, all of these loose threads that aren't tied to anything, and they're just a tangled mess that I am not going to be able to work out and have woven together into some sort of coherent tapestry that is going to look like anything but besides just absolute chaos and i i personally around the middle of the game heading into the early parts of the late game i mean i'm gonna be completely honest this is where i start to kind of lose interest in the game i don't know whether it is just well, I'm sure part of it is the fact that by this point in the game, I have spent so many hours thinking about the campaign, thinking about the world, thinking about the story, trying to put everything in there, trying to craft something that the players will enjoy, that I'm just getting burnt out on thinking about it. I also wonder and worry that maybe a part of it is that all of the player characters and the players taking this power from themselves is is literally taking power away from the game master in this in the game the the story is becoming more about what the character what the players and the characters are coming up with and doing rather than what the game master is putting into the world so 
I, I wonder if there is a part of, of why I lose interest that comes from that, this, this slow loss of control over this thing that I have grown into what it is. And like a parent whose child is leaving the nest as the player characters start becoming more independent and making their own decisions and going their own way, maybe I, maybe I can't cope with it. And that's, maybe that's part of why I start to really get the itch to try something new, try something different. I also get burnout on the game system. Um, it doesn't matter what game system it is. If it's a game system I love, I, I get to a point where I'm sick of this, of this rule set. I want to play something different. There has definitely been a new book that has come out, a new game system that I have purchased. And then I've been reading over and I've fallen in love with this game, but I've got this other main campaign that I'm in the middle of. And I look at how much longer I have to play it in order to reach the satisfactory conclusion. And I get disheartened because I realize how long it's going to be until I'm able to play this new, fresh, brand new game that I just bought that I absolutely love. And even worse than that is if I can stick with the campaign to the end and I have the opportunity then to play this other game chances are that another game has come out in the meantime that I want to play more. And so I've got, I've got quite a few games sitting on my shelf and I'm sure the vast majority of other game masters who play in multiple game systems can attest to having the same. I have, I have quite a few books sitting on my shelf of systems that I've read, but I have never played because I bought the book in the middle of a campaign with the full intention of playing that game next, and by the time the campaign came to an end, I had some other game system that had come out and is even newer, even shinier, and man, I really want to play in that. I think I'm going to wrap it up about here. Um, my, I don't think my solo episodes are ever going to be as long as a full-length regular episode with somebody else, just because... I'm not the kind of person who just likes to ramble on and on and on forever. Um, I have a time limit of how much I am willing to do, willing to talk about a particular topic. Um, I take that back. It's more, I have a time limit on the amount of time that I'm willing to listen to myself talk about a particular topic with no one else to bounce off of and get feedback from. So let's just go into geek things. Um, on Amazon Prime, there is currently a documentary called Eye of the Beholder, The Art of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, it's very fascinating. Uh, it talks about the, the history of the art of D&D, talking to some of the, um, the artists and illustrators who were with TSR from pretty much the beginning of it in the late seventies through the eighties and even, um, spanning up until um the current edition um for the most part it's very good uh, i i kind of wish they would go, have gone a little bit more into the controversy that has um happened over the years about the depiction of women in um in fantasy art but this was a documentary that was purely about like building up and talking about how great the art in D D is so I don't 
fault them for wanting to gloss over one of the more ugly parts, but they do kind of talk a little bit about um, how it has the art of D&D has become much more inclusive of other things other than the uh, the traditional big buff guy and the scantily clad woman in its art. The other thing that I have is a link to a website that has approximately, well, at the time of this recording, it has approximately 91,000 historical maps available for free for anyone to view and download. It is a, it is at davidrumsey.com. And if you like maps for any reason, check this out. These are all earth maps of the earth or of different regions of the earth throughout history. So um, if there's a time period that you ever wanted to see a map of what people thought a really region looked like or um, or the progress of map making throughout history, definitely check it out. And with that, I'm going to stop doing this bullshit and get to designing my campaign. Thank you very much for listening. This has been a production of Alien Familiar Media. You can find past episodes and more at alienfamiliar.com. You can email us at alienfamiliarmedia at gmail.com. This production is protected under a Creative Commons non-commercial attribution, no derivatives license. Music for this episode is Suburban Outlaw by Forget the Whale and can be found at freemusicarchive.org.